Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, Friends and Family Month has been awesome and just been enjoying every single week. Um, and I can, you guys been enjoying Friends and Family Month? All the different messages, different way of, of doing church this month. And I just love it. It's also an opportunity for us to showcase our church and the different, you know, maybe some of the people that don't necessarily get a chance to come up here on a Sunday and preach every single week. So we started off the month of July with the home team, Mackenzie Gamble, who brought an awesome word. And kicked us off so well. And we're going to finish with the home team this month as well with Pastor David Kuwabara, who is our worship pastor. Awesome. He's so great. And so I just love David and Alana so much. And um, David hails from Canada. Don't hold that against him. Then he pastored in Pennsylvania and um, built the church there and was part of a church there and did an amazing job. And we rescued him down here to Florida and he's been rescued and he's here and he's just done a, f- a fantastic job for about two years being our church's worship pastor. And so I'm excited for us as a church to hear from him, to learn, to learn about worship, to go deeper, to understand and he's an amazing communicator of God's Word. So would you stand with me? Can we welcome Pastor David this morning as he comes to preach the Word? Hey, good morning, church. Thank you. Before you take your seat, um, this is just for me, so I have time to open my water bottle. Could you high-five seven people? Say, welcome home. Don't quit at six. All right, like, uh, like Pastor Matt said, you know, it's been a few years uh, for me and my family uh, being here in St. Augustine. And how many people were born and raised in St. Augustine? Just show of hands. Okay, all right. So the rest of us outnumber you. I gotta tell you, fastest, fastest anecdote here, okay? Very first Sunday in St. Augustine, we woke up, got ready for church. We were driving here. We go over the 312 bridge, and as we come down, you know that intersection, I think it's US 1. Um, so we were coming up to the intersection, this lady's beside us in her car, and she's like doing this, like pointing up. And I'm thinking, so Alana, did you like leave your purse on the roof or something? <laughs> I thought maybe I left a Yeti up there, or Alana left something. And she's like, so I roll my window down, I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, go back north. First Sunday, on my way to church. Straight up, she saw the PA tags and she was like, go back north. Well, we outnumber you apparently. So careful. Contrast that with when we pulled into the parking lot and we stepped through those doors and we were welcomed home. And most of you were already here. Most of you were fully postured to receive me and my family. 
we now have a place that we do call home and we have a people that we call family. And I wanna honor pastors Matt and Jill. I honor you today. And, and I know that I'm, I got the microphone. So my voice on behalf of so many, that your heart for people, your vision for the kingdom, and your willingness to be real, authentic, loving, and true has created a home for so many. So thank you. In fact, today is our anniversary Sunday at Colonial, two years ago this Sunday. God is good. Well, turn to in your Bibles, Psalm 103, starting in verse one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your disease. He lifts you out of the pit, crowns you with everlasting, everlasting love and mercy. He satisfies you with good, restores your strength and youth as the eagles. This passage of scripture is wonderful. It's beautiful. And I'm thankful for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your house. Thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence, that you're here. Thank you for the ministry of peace that we've already received. Pray a blessing over our church and our people as we receive your word, as we're made more like you, Jesus. In your name, amen. This passage of scripture is typically, I think, separated. It's often cited, often applied, and that's a good thing. When we're talking about worship, we'll say the first part. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's what we did as a church as we started our service. And the other part typically is referenced and applied when uh, in the life of a believer, inevitably we go through hard times, we go through suffering, right? So we're gonna remind ourselves. We're not gonna forget the benefit of God as our healer. God is the lifter of our head. God is the one who pulls us out of the pit of our circumstances and puts our feet on a firm foundation, which is Christ himself. But I think for us today, I'm gonna to be talking about worship. Go figure. The two are connected. The two are absolutely connected. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. In our Western way of thinking, soul is simply part of who we are. We have a soul, we have a mind, we have a physical body, we have a spirit. Well, in the Hebrew, soul means all of you. The totality of you, everything. Bless the Lord, all of me. My will, my heart, my emotions, my mind, my physical body, I'm going to bless and worship God. And we connect directly to the next portion of the passage because even if God isn't actively healing you right now, or if it, even if he isn't actively pulling you out of a pit, guess what? God is the healer. He's the forgiver. He's the puller out of the pitter, and he is. And so I will worship God because he is. And as I worship God, the he is's is the benefits of worshiping him, the benefit of being called his own, the benefit of being rescued and redeemed. So, hey, God, because you are, I will. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his 
holy name. He is. And so there's other benefits, and this morning I just want to talk about the benefits of worship. The first benefit of worship is that it brings us home. Worship brings us home. This morning, we all woke up at our place of residence. We woke up at our home, right? Maybe some of you didn't. Don't sleep on the beach. It's not safe, okay? But we woke up, we got dressed, some of you brushed your teeth, and we all got in a vehicle and we drove to church. We drove to 550 State Road 207, and we worshiped God. That's what we did. That's what happened in the natural. Worship brings us home in a way in the supernatural, even more than that in the eternal, which is we actually left a physical place of residence and we moved our physical bodies to our actual home, which is the house that our father resides in. He inhabits, what? The praise of his people. So home is where father is. Home is where brothers and sisters are. Home is where family is. This is home. Worship brings us home. It's a powerful passage in the Bible. In Luke 15, Jesus teaches a number of parables about being found, about a loving, finding father. The crown jewel of all parables is the parable of the prodigal son, a son who lived at home with his father, with his brother, and experienced all the benefits of being at home. But he forgot that the benefits were directly connected to the benefactor. So he goes to dad and he says, dad, I want all the benefits, all of those things, and none of you. And he leaves. Because he's like, I got what I need. And so he goes. And the story tells us that he, he wasted his life and his benefits on wild living. And you can fill in the blanks on wild living. The Bible's pretty clear. And he finds himself at the end of it all one day. And he's looking around. And he's completely broke, destitute, starving. And he looks over at the pigs that happen to be there. And he, and he tells himself, these pigs eat better than I do. And so he goes home. Now, he still hasn't had a change of heart or a change of mind. He still doesn't get it. Because when he goes home, he has a speech prepared for his father. And the speech for his father is, I do not deserve to be your son. So basically, he's asking for a job because his father's servants eat better than him. So he has this whole speech planned that he's gonna somehow sort it all out and come to an arrangement and a new agreement with dad that I'm no longer your son because I stepped away from that relationship, but maybe I could still get a portion of the benefits. And father runs out, completely ignores the speech, drowns out this speech with cries of joy and relief and gratitude, saying, my son who was once lost is now found. And he doesn't make his son come back and earn the benefits. He rather just pours them out lavishly. He clothes him, he, 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 he puts sandals on his feet, he gets a ring for his finger, and he creates a massive feast. He calls for a great feast. The son went home with doubt. Also at the house was father and brother. The brother was angry. Worship brings us home, but we have to deal with doubt and anger when we come home. 
Paul actually instructs Timothy, he says, hey, this is how, this is how you do it. Lift up holy hands without doubt or anger. Both sons represent one of each. One son comes home full of doubt. Will I be accepted? Will, will, will I actually have some sort of benefit that can keep me going? The other brother is angered at the redemptive forgiveness and lavish blessing extended to the younger son. And so he's dealing with anger. Paul says, no, no, no. You go home and you worship with holy hands lifted without anger or doubt. Why do people go home? For all the reasons why people go home. Some college students go home to do laundry. Some people go home instead of going to Publix because they can just, it's just cheaper to get your groceries at mom or dad's or grandma and grandpa's, right? You go home to see people you haven't seen in a while. You go home to reminisce about the goodness of your family and share memories and, and make new ones. But, but what keeps people from going home? all the things that keep people from coming home. Broken relationships, tension, pursuit of fulfillment in other areas, in other relationships, in other places. One of the things that keeps people from coming home in worship is guilt and shame. Lift up holy hands. Well, my hands ain't holy, maybe, you're thinking. You don't know what I did with these hands yesterday. We lift up holy hands not because we made them holy, because we can't. We lift up holy hands because Jesus made them holy. And so we don't bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not his benefits, because somehow that's gonna get us the benefits. See, worship is a response to the goodness of God, not a way to get it. So now all of a sudden, when I know that and I understand that, and it's from God's goodness and love and forgiveness, redemption and him putting me back and pulling me back together and bringing him to me to him, me to him, all of a sudden my worship is coming from a place of acceptance and approval and love and God's goodness rather than pursuing and striving and working for it because he ain't that good enough and I'm not that good enough. And so there are no hypocrites in the kingdom of God. If you show up to the house of God and you lift hands that Jesus is making holy, you are not a hypocrite despite what you think, despite what other people might accuse you of, despite what the enemy would lie to you and say, I know what you did yesterday and you're on the front row doing this. No, better off just holding your coffee, maybe at the big high moment of all hail, we just kind of do one of these. Put your coffee down get your hand out of your pocket and lift up hands that are holy before God because of what Jesus has done. Worship also matures us. It's a benefit of worship is that it, it, it helps us grow up. You know, we often equate maturity with growing up, but how many know there's a lot of grown-ups that aren't mature? Lady on 312, or the 312 bridge, go back north. This lady had to, I mean, she was, in her, she was middle-aged. She had lived a lot of years, and yet she had an immature reaction. <laughs> she doesn't know how much I have St. Augustine in my heart, and I love it, and I will also tell other people to go back north, and I will protect <laughs> There's a lot of leaves for the table. How about that? Worship matures us. 
My dad is one of the wisest people I know because my dad's one of the people, um, out of all the people I know, spends the most time in the word of God. My dad used to wake me up. Growing up, he'd get me up before I wanted to. We'd go to the living room early in the morning, he'd have his coffee, and we'd read the Bible together. And often it was in the Proverbs, and he'd read verse one, I'd read verse two, he'd read verse three, I'd read verse four, and we'd go back and forth and back and forth. And then he started to teach me the value of memorizing scripture. Memorizing scripture, you know, hearing the word is incredible. It's like hearing a great song. Memorizing scripture is like being able to sing it for others. Memorizing scripture is like an installation in your life where it's like, oh, I've got this. Hold on, hold on, I got a scripture for this. Hold on, I got a word for you for this situation. And my dad, in his wisdom, always taught me maturity is nothing more than a measure of self-control. That's why we could see a five or six-year-old kid running around and say, hey, they're, they're so mature for their age. Well, think about it. Why is that? Because they're self-controlled. They're restrained. They can control their body. They can control their, their, their thoughts. They can control their emotions. And they're just chill. And self-control slash restraint slash maturity, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so if it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, then time in worship with the Spirit, why wouldn't why wouldn't the garden of our life start to produce that kind of fruit? Self-control in worship is, is absolutely critical. On a musical level, as a worship team, we would go, it takes self-control, maturity, to not play a note too soon or too late. We call that timing. It takes restraint to not play a note too sharp or too flat. That's called pitch. You know, it, takes, it takes restraint to not play a note um, too loudly or too softly. We call that dynamics. It takes restraint not to go to the bridge because you're really feeling like it when the rest of the team's going to the chorus. That's called roadmap and arrangement and shape and form. As a worship team, we have restraint. We might be really feeling it, but like that, you know, we have a service order. So we don't go longer or shorter than we ought to. That's called order in the service. Paul describes in Corinthians a worship service, and he says, and at the end of it all, may it be done in order. Meaning, may it be done in maturity. May it be done in restraint. You see, when we don't just open up the floodgates and just worship and worship and worship and blow through, we're not quenching the Holy Spirit when we keep order in our service. That's not what's happening. And I understand, hey, look, I grew up in a church tradition where on Sunday mornings, I went to an AG church, but on Saturday nights, we were chasing the Spirit and going to middle school gym after middle school gym in the vineyard movement back in the 90s. So I've seen both sides. We're not quenching the spirit when we have order in our service. Rather, there's banks for the river to flow. A river without banks is a very destructive force. And it's for maturity and restraint that I do that and I restrain. And as a team, we lead with restraint and we lead on time and in pitch and in form and in shape and in order for the benefit of the church so that we're all together because God wants a unified corporate bride worshiping him. And if we're just flowing and rolling, then, then you guys don't even know where the turn is, maybe. Maturity matters. Worship instills into us maturity. Worship also makes us new. I think if you've been serving God and been engaged in corporate worship for any amount of time, there's something that you know. This is, this is a mystery of, of, of the gospel. Paul describes that there's mysteries to this. 
thing we call our faith in the life of a believer. But there's kind of a mystery to how is it that we're made new in worship. But if you've been in worship, you know it's, it's not a manipulative chord progression. It's not the loudness of things. And by the way, if, if our worship's too loud for you, you're gonna hate heaven. <laughs> the book of Revelations describes a worship service in heaven about being thunderously, deafeningly loud, of people shouting and declaring hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Book of Psalms is full. I mean full of prescriptions, directives. Big clinging symbols, Skylar. You can just hammer those symbols. But worship makes us new. When we're in this environment, something happens because we can't help but be renewed through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I've heard it said that peace is the substance of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You find peace in the house of God. You find peace in worship. You can, without a shadow of a doubt, have a confidence that the Holy Spirit is ministering to you as you minister to God. Worship makes us new. No, Paul actually says in, um, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. Okay, I'm in Christ. I'm a believer. I said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've been serving him for a week. Maybe you've been serving him for a decade, 50 years, 60 years. Like, okay, I'm new. But what about the parts of me that aren't new? Worship makes me new. Jesus makes me new. The presence and peace of the Holy Spirit makes me new. But, but there's that part of my life that's not new. And I would say it's not new yet. This is another mystery of our faith. You know, Psalms 139, God, you, you, you knew me. In my mother's womb, I was beautifully and wonderfully made, knit together. And, and you might be in church today not feeling very beautiful or wonderful. Maybe parts of your physical body are just worn out and broken and, and you're waiting on a healing. Maybe there's just a pattern of how you relate to your family that's just so old and you just can't get out of the rut. When you're not with them, you're thinking about the situation and the tension and you're praying about it. You're like, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna address it differently. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have that same conversation again. God, there's gotta be something higher than you. You, you re-engage and you find yourself saying the exact same things that you've always said resulting in the exact same outcome. How can this be? I'm in Christ. All things are new. Well, because on this side of eternity, we're not going to be fully new. It's a process. One day, we will be fully new. But in that moment of decision, the Holy Spirit comes in and there's a prophetic word in the Old Testament that says, I will take out your heart of stone and I will put into it a heart of flesh. So yes, you're new. And yes, you're being made new. Worship makes us new. And there's a purpose for that. It's fascinating. I was reading recently, um, you know, there's, there's aircraft in our 
military Air Force that are in active duty and they're 40, 50, some are 60 years old. I was absolutely fascinated by that. You know, I've got a seven-year-old vehicle and it just feels like it's falling apart sometimes. It's not, that's just my car anxiety. But this idea that these planes, I'm like, so I'm looking into it. Like, how is this plane still flying every day? It's on a carrier, it's 60 years old. We've got some strategic bombers that are, that are pushing 70 years old. How is this? Well, if you read into it, a lot of these planes, the oldest part is only five years. Because as the, as the radio and, and, and the radar technology, they upgrade that. The electronics get upgraded so that they're, they, they remain effective. You get where I'm going? And then over time, the engines get replaced for something that's more efficient, has a longer range. Over time, the aircraft can be entirely reskinned. Sometimes the airframe itself goes from, from what used to be like a state-of-the-art metal to now 20, 30 years later, we've got something better. And so over time, for the purpose of, of effectiveness, these planes are being made new one piece at a time. And it's not always the oldest part that gets renewed first. Sometimes it's just the part that needs to be made more effective for the purpose of extending. And God wants to make us new, not just for us. God wants us to make, to make us new for the sake of others. What is my effectiveness life? Like, yeah, Jesus, I need you. Hey, that Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is on the inside of my physical body, making me alive, keeping me alive. But where is this river overflowing of life for the benefit of others around me? God, I need that part of me to be made new. About probably about 10 years ago now, I had, a, I had to go through a process where a part of my life needed to be made new. And God had kind of put something in me a few years before that that I felt, hey, you're making me new. Oftentimes, the hardest thing to submit to God for newness is something that he's already given you in the past. So we stick with what we know works, and yet the cloud has moved. So this part of my life, I had... I'd, believed God had activated a gift in ministry and it was effective man it worked people loved it it was celebrated it was it, it, it got the job done it's taking ground it's doing a great job a great work of ministry and a pastor who loved me called me in to the largest woodshed on the planet and picked up the biggest stick possible and started a process where God went to that thing and said, yeah, it, it was, but you've been misusing it. The thing I gave it to you for wasn't for you, it was for them. And you've been building your own thing instead of building my thing for the benefit of others. And it was incredibly painful because I, it wasn't like, oh yeah, you know, like, I, I, need to, I need to know more about the Bible and theology. Yeah, let's make that part of my life new, my deep understanding of the word. Yeah, totally, I can accept that. No, it was like, David, that thing that you've wrapped your entire identity around, your effective ministry gift, that thing's so broken, you're actually doing more damage than good. 
And if you don't change this, you're gonna lose the life God has for you. That's how serious the need is to be made new by God. We need to be made new for us, that's vital. But talking about benefits, being made new is for the benefit of others. We all walked into this church, unless you were here on the absolute first day, if you were here on second Sunday, second gathering, second team night, every single one of us walked into people who were postured to see God do a new thing in them for the benefit of us. We walked into a newness that people had submitted to. So let me ask you this, will you submit to a newness today? For some people, it could be a way of thinking. It could be going, you know what, God, I've held up my preferences and expectations as the gold standard, and I need you to make that new. I need you to replace it with what you say in your word. For some people, it's just those old rhythms and patterns. It's, it's, it's a way of saying no for God. I think the oldest part of people is that they've seen enough, they've done enough that they know how it's gonna be, so they say no to the possibility of what God can do. It's an oldness. It's been said that, that we, we can be older than God if we want to be, but we shouldn't be. Would you stand? going to worship in a moment and you know we're going to we're going to sing that old song I love you Lord and I lift my voice to worship you oh my soul we can sing soul in a whole new way today right rejoice you know when when I I've laughed as I've read or recited some passage today. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, for getting all those benefits. I've wept, just completely humbled. And I think as we are about to go into worship, that holy hands thing just keeps on sticking out. You know, there's a reason why we do it. Now, if you see me worshiping, I have my hands up a lot of the time, but not all the time. You know why? Because my arms get tired. Just saying. And if I kept my hands up the whole time, fighting through the pain, I wouldn't be doing it for God, I'd be doing it for you. Because I'd be thinking, what are they thinking? They need to see the worship pastor better be worshiping, okay? Lifting up holy hands. This isn't a, well, I grew up in a church tradition that we just didn't do that. Well, then you grew up in a church tradition that didn't worship the way God told us to worship in the Bible. real talk. Well, I'm just not comfortable. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's, it's not a preference of praise. It's not an ease of praise. It's a sacrifice. And lifting our physical hands is going, God, I'm getting over me and I'm getting into you. 
God, I'm not doing this so that I get something. I'm doing this because I believe you are good. I believe that even if I haven't recognized what the miracles in my life are, I'm gonna go ahead and recognize that I'm here. I got breath in my lungs. I'm in your house. Your spirit is here. And I'm gonna lift my holy hands, Jesus, because you made them holy. And I love you, Lord. I'm gonna lift my voice to worship. What's worship, church? Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.